I was like, do they have diners in in Honolulu? Like- Honestly, man, my sister told me about a place near her house called Over Easy, mm. and uh, they're not open on Mondays. Mm. So then I was like, uh-oh, I'm gonna figure something out here. But yeah, man, it's, uh, I've been loving it here. I can't, I don't blame you at all for moving here. <laughs> As we sit here telling stories till it's quarter after three. The details are so gory, but that's how they're supposed to be. And this waiter must be wondering if we're ever gonna leave. Greetings and salutations, my friends. My name is John Kim Fay, and this is Talking at the Diner, the show where working musicians and creatives tell me their stories while we dine like the starving artists we are. (laughs) Okay, maybe nobody's actually starving, but the threat of starving is never really far from the front of any of our minds, especially when you're out there willing to take risks. Like my guest on today's episode, Jeremy Savo. Jeremy is a super talented musician and songwriter who is originally from the greater Philadelphia area, South Jersey to be precise. His band, Out of the Beard Space, has spent the last decade plus as one of the most popular groups in the regional jam scene, not only due to the fact that literally every member of this band is a bona fide virtuoso on their instrument, but because they single-handedly created and nurtured one of the biggest independent music festivals on the East Coast. Beardfest began in 2012 in the backyard of the band's guitar player, Zach Lopresti, and the festival blossomed into the annual three-day celebration of creative energy it is today. But in 2024, things are going to be a little different because Jeremy now lives in Maui. That's right, he packed his bags and his guitars and moved to Hawaii to begin a brand new adventure in both music and life. When I visited my sister in Hawaii recently, I got a chance to spend the day with Jeremy. He took a short flight from Maui to the island of Oahu and we saw some incredible sights, also hit an open mic, and we had a great conversation at the Alihi Bakery which had many of the trappings of a typical East Coast diner, but much more. I mean, try getting a fresh guava juice at Ponzio's in Cherry Hill. That's not happening. Anyway, we talked about all kinds of stuff, but I was particularly interested in how he made the decision to start fresh and how he felt it was going. Jeremy is planning on releasing new solo music in 2024, and he let me preview his tracks like this one, called Break My Mind. Dizzy, just thinking how you use me. I'm here for you to do when we but only on your Something's happening, something's wrong. Our love was magic, though I'm strong. 
really excited to share this cool conversation with Jeremy Sava with you. So let's get right to it, right here on Talking at the Diner. Everything is on the table when you're talking at the diner. Left onto the Interstate H1 East Ramp to Honolulu, Waikiki. So, was that a pretty quick decision? Um, was it, or something that you've been thinking about for a long time? So, it was a very, actually, it was a very extremely slow decision. Okay. Um, <laughs> um, it, it, and it was really not motivated by me at all. Okay. Um, so, this was entirely my girlfriend's was idea right on. and something that she wanted to do and I required some convincing and some comforting and hand holding to get on board. Did yeah. she grow up in on the East Coast? Yeah. Okay. Philly area. Gotcha. Yeah. Very few people get out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's interesting cuz like yeah, where where we're from from Philly and everything it's very much like a locals culture. Like mm -hmm. occasionally you have someone who moves to Philly from somewhere else. Yeah. Um, but most of the people around that you interact with every day and that you form bands with or business relationships with or friendships with or whatever, like they've mm -hmm. been there their whole lives and they're gonna be there their whole lives. Yeah. But you come to other places like this, like in Hawaii, it's a very transient community. Yeah. You've got people who've been here one year, two years, five years, ten years, but a lot of people come to Hawaii, stay a little while, and then they go somewhere else. Yeah. So it's very different. Now, obviously, Maui is a lot different from this island. Oh, yeah. Um, you've been on Maui like a month now, or how long has it been? One month as of Saturday. Okay, wow. Yeah. So how's it been? Like, I... I hear that all the islands have their own very distinct character yeah so how are you finding it like what is the vibe it's been great um as we as we're speaking now i just landed in honolulu and this is my first time here so mm -hmm. just looking around i mean the vibe here i can already tell you is extremely different than anything on maui yeah um there is no this is like we're in a big city right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in Maui, there's no big city. Gotcha. Um, which is good and bad, you know, as well, a musician. <laughs> that's what. That's something I'm very, very interested in. Yeah. <laughs> in chatting with you about because, man, you you uprooted. I mean, obviously, you're you're still in Beard Space. Yes. Back home, and yes. you will continue to do things with that band yes. that's going to require you traveling back and forth yeah but you trying to establish something in a completely different not only community but like this is a very different kind of vibe from yeah. mainland united states yes so what is the music scene like as far as you've experienced it so far yeah um is there one yeah, yeah. Cool. I've, I've just been I've been spending like the last month trying to get to know what it is and trying to discover it. And it's been easier to discover than I uh, might have thought. Mm -hmm. It's been very welcoming, That's and cool. you know, interestingly enough, I feel like I found 
my people very quickly. Oh, right on. Like within a week or so. That's very fortunate. Yeah. it's <laughs> great. And I, I had uh, my first gig, like my first real gig on Saturday, which oh, yeah. was my one month of being in Maui. So that was a festival, you said? Yeah, it was a festival. Nice. Yeah. So it was a festival, really surprisingly a lot like Beard Fest, except uh-huh. way smaller. Gotcha. Um, okay. But so, like, organized by musicians, organized by musicians, right on. and um, out in the wilderness, and how cool is that? People making some art, and people being very, you know, just having a nice community vibe. Mm-hmm. And oh, that's great, man! Yeah, there was two stages, it. and so there's things like that going on. Mm-hmm. But you know, actually, that festival was totally like under the table, like. It was free to attend. Mm-hmm. They didn't publish a poster. They don't promote it on social media. It's all by word of mouth. Just where it gets around. So they, wow. they call it Coconut Wireless around here. That's cool. Coconut um, <laughs> So I like that. It wasn't a paying gig, mm-hmm. but it was a rewarding gig. It was a community building. Right, because it's, it's putting you like in touch with all these other music lovers and musicians, and that's great. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah, and besides that, I mean, there's, like, a handful of local venues that have original music around the island. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it, just, just a couple. Is your intention to just stick to that, or are you going to try to do, like, a cover gig scenario for money, or, like, what's your thinking on that? Um, I'm remaining open to anything mm-hmm. right now. Um, I think that's important. Yeah. Um, in my current situation. Sure. Um, I would like to do original performances under my own name mm-hmm. with my own solo music, mm-hmm. which is something I never did back oh, in yeah, Philly. Yeah, that's true. I never did see you do that. Um, and I'm about to release an EP. Oh, um, right on. Yeah. And that's cool. so that's like finished and just, you know, just needs to get uploaded and promoted now is it like a full band production or is it strictly like a solo performance type of thing so the songs do have full bands in some cases i'm playing all the instruments or Mm -hmm. most of them yeah um but it's just a four song ep um it's all recorded at home it's called homemade love songs nice and um yeah i mixed it and recorded it and you know did all the engineering myself Right just on. got it mastered by Joe Baldacci. But, um, you know, I want to work on that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. uh, I've been working on building up my YouTube channel and making YouTube videos. Oh, nice. But besides that, I mean, I got invited to join a, a local band in Maui. Oh. Um, an original band. That's cool. Um, you going to do that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Um, nice. I have like a musical theater pit gig coming up. Wow. I got Okay. Um, it's like nine performances. So that's cool. So you have really hustled since you've been here just to make those connections. I've been networking like crazy. And I'm on the website and roster t- for two different music schools, like for just giving guitar lessons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Haven't gotten any students yet, but hopefully I will soon. Yeah. Oh yeah, and I I'm also like I have a violin player who does wedding gigs who I'm like her guitar player now. Oh, this is our spot. I hope. I hope. 
well, maybe it's, it's around the other closed, side. but yeah. Well, I was going to say, like, maybe that's the back door. <laughs> I think I went by this place the other day. I mean, there's cars here. It's got yeah. This, yeah side, it's, this side has open vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> open vibe. But the other side, very closed vibe. Let's check it out. The Lily Ha Bakery. Please wait to be seen. Oh, they got Christmas music. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, they're hardcore with like starting the Christmas stuff like Black Friday, like in yes. like, my sister's neighborhood. Full on displays of like inflatable stuff on lawns yeah. and lights. I was like, bam. Hello, too. It smells good. Yeah. I think it's a good spot. Hello, I'm having some water for now. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Would you like some coffee? Some to drink? Yeah, I'll have some coffee. Let's do a coffee. Yep, thank you. Oh, interesting. They got like kimchi in. I know. It's, it's, uh, I'm finding a lot of like Korean stuff everywhere. Um, which is great, you know, I mean, it's, like, the influences are so unique, you know? Yeah. Portuguese, lots of that stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, Hawaii is extremely multicultural. Yeah. And I'm assuming even more so here in Hollywood. I want your coffee. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Cream and sugar in the middle. All right, thanks. Coffee me. I did. I was told by my sister that um, stuff like milk and cream is so expensive on this island that you're lucky to even get one of these. <laughs> yeah, there's all sorts of weird little things to learn. Yeah, about how to how to make it here. You know, how to not go broke. You gotta really be conscious of that stuff around here to, to be yeah. to be here long term. I mean I'm on a vacation mentality right, right. now. But like if if I had to like really figure out a way, that's a whole nother way of looking at it. But like I'm trying to just eat simple mm -hmm. foods and just cook a lot. Yeah. You know? Which is fine. Um mm -hmm. Yeah, I, very quickly, I was like, all right, I need to cut back on my luxuries. Like, I was eating out a lot. It's kind of like what happens when you live the life we live, because yes. you're on the road all the time, you're yeah. just out and about. It's very difficult to yes. consistently just, like, make food at home. So. Oh, yeah. Do you live in a pretty um, populated area in Maui, or is it... As far as, I mean, as far as Maui is concerned, uh -huh. I live in one of the slightly more populated areas. Okay. I live in a town mm -hmm. called Paia, okay. which is like a really awesome place to live. Nice. Um, it's got like a little main street, just like a little tee of like walkable shops and stuff. Oh, nice. it, it's very reminiscent of Haddonfield. Okay. Have you ever been there? Of course. So yeah. <laughs> it's like so hippie, it feels... but it's like super hippie and mm -hmm. super beachy. Mm -hmm. And um, 
Yeah, it's very artsy and that's great. And it's right on the beach. That's cool. Yeah. Are you like an ocean guy? Do you go in a lot, and, uh, swim or surf or whatever? I am not a surfer, but okay. I'm hoping to learn. Yeah. Oh, right on. Um, and I found the right people to teach me now. That's which cool. are my bandmates. Oh, um, in nice. my in my new reggae band. Oh, do you know what you want? Oh, uh, no. <laughs> okay. I have not looked Just down. Just one more minute. Yeah. yeah All thank right. you. <laughs> we'll focus. <laughs> I always like to see if they have a Philly cheesesteak. On, not that I'm gonna order it. I just, just so won't. you can point at it and laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, do they have the uh, plate lunch over there in Maui? Plate it's, lunch. It's like a thing over here, and, and it is it is like one of the hardiest servings of food that I've ever ingested. I got I got one the other day, and it's like literally two big ass scoops of rice in a thing, and then they give you a scoop of macaroni salad, and then whatever like meat thing that you pick. So I got this thing called a loco moco. It's two hamburger patties smothered in gravy over top of this double rice mound and macaroni salad mound. It's just double like carbs. Carbs on carbs yes. on carbs. It's great. <laughs> uh, no, I have not encountered that. Yeah. It's a, it's a thing. But apparently they eat a lot of spam here too, which I've never been a fan of. I don't know if you've ever even tried it. I don't I don't even really know what that is. I mean, it comes, so it comes like in a can, during, right? Yeah, so I think it's like a World War II thing. Like during that era, people ate a lot of canned meats. Yes. <laughs> and uh, it, it overflowed into the cultures of like the Asian and island cultures, I think. Any, any meat that has like a can shape, <laughs> like I'm a little concerned about it. Yeah. It's not my, not my bag. <laughs> Oh, no, 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 no. Shit. Uh-oh. <laughs> Here's a napkin. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Can we get it? Excuse me. Uh-oh. Oh, my gosh. Are you drenched? No, it just narrowly avoided All me. Right. Let me, uh... It got on my seat, but not on me. All right, let me find a... Oh. This guy. Oh, excuse me. Can we get a towel? He spilled I his coffee. I just spilled my entire cup of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> It's always an adventure. <laughs> Man, that avoided Narrowly. landing in my lap by like an inch. <laughs> good good like got on my good, seat, good but reflexes. Not on me. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's tip just skyrocketed to 40%. <laughs> oh my god. Thorough. <laughs> yes. He he crushed it. He crushed it. <laughs> my Somehow my right foot is a little wet. The oh. one that was further away from the spill. So. Oh man, that's great. When does the EP come out? I don't have a date yet. Uh -huh. I just, uh, because I haven't gotten the album artwork in yet. Okay. So, I mean, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do this on my own. <laughs> um, I don't know how other people do it. That is, like, that do is a very a interesting thing because you've been part of this band for yeah. so long. Yeah. And um, it is a different feeling to put it out on your own. Yeah. Not just from like the standpoint of like, it's just you. You're completely, you know, the buck stops with you. Yeah. But it's also like now you got to do everything by yourself. Right. <laughs> 
the challenges of putting like music out solo versus being in the band. So what are the what are the things you're kind of confronting that you haven't had to deal with before? Well, motivation, like the waxing and waning of my motivation. Mm. Um, and just vulnerability too. Yeah. So I think you know the the band I've been in out of the beard space I've been in for so long since I was like I don't know 18 or something like that. Yeah. And so you know it's thank you. It's a combined artistic statement from all of us. It's mm -hmm. got a little bit of each of us in it, but it's not it's not the artistic statement of any one of us. Right. And it's so there's like a little bit more shelter mm -hmm. in that. It's a little bit less like me laid bare. Yeah, um, I hear you. Actually, I've always been curious about how Beard Space operated creatively because like Every single one of you is such a monster musician on your own. It's such a special thing that you all found each other and were able to do this thing together for so long. And not only be a band, but like create Beard Fest and all of that too. I mean, it's an impressive thing to have achieved. And now you're in Maui <laughs> yeah. doing this completely different thing. So I can imagine there's a little bit of a sense of, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but like a little bit of a gun shy thing that washes over you from time to time. Or, you know, like just like once you pull the trigger on that solo thing, it's, you're, it's just you. Right. You know? Yeah, it feels a lot more vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And like at my performance the other day at the festival, I noticed I was pretty nervous yeah. in a way that I'm usually not yeah. to go on stage. I hear you. I was like, oh, like right moments before I was going to start, I was like, oh, wow. I'm like really nervous. <laughs> it's all you. <laughs> yeah. Because like I'm introducing myself to a completely new community. Yeah. And I get to decide how I'm presenting myself. Right. This is like my moment to say hi, this is who I am, artistically. Only one chance to make a first impression kind of a thing. Right, and I've like I've never really done that. I've never done a, like, I've done a couple solo gigs, but they were like background out of, they were just like whatever, background yeah. music. So yeah. this was really my first actual solo gig where I'm like, I'm gonna play some original songs and I'm gonna, yeah, this is me. I think that's great, man. Yeah. So you and I met, I think I remember it was the first year you did Beard Fest because I came out to your place. Was it, was it to do a vocal lesson? Yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. And um, all this construction is going yeah. on. And you're like, yeah, we're, we're just like building a stage. We're going to do a festival. Yeah. And I was like, you guys are pretty fucking ambitious, man. This is cool. And like, how many how many years has Beard Fest been happening? Um, so this tw 2024 will be our 12th year. Wow. So I want to say that we met at Studio Lulu. Yes. Wow. Um, John and Brittany's era. Yeah. And Studio Lulu. Yep. Remember open, it well. Yep. Open mic scene. Mm-hmm. Um, Beard Space would go play there. And you would go play there. Yep. And so, really cool, intimate community open mic night. Mm -hmm. um, and then, 
I think I started to see you around the scene. Yeah. Here and there. You guys and came to Dobbs a few yes. times, right? Oh, and you were hosting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I just had this sense of like, hey, this guy's a really good singer. Um, and he sings in a similar range to me. So I had got, I was just like, I think I can learn something. So yeah, it was very cool. It was a very cool experience for me. So I hit you up for lessons. Mm -hmm. You came to my house a few times. Yeah. And then, yeah, you came to out to Beard Fest. That was our third year. Oh, it was your third year. Okay. It was our third year, but it was our first year doing it outside of Zach's backyard. Got it. And so it was a very, it was a big jump. Yeah. And it was our, like, big moment of, like, this is a real festival now. Mm -hmm. And we actually, I don't know if you followed this at the time or know what all happened, but the location you went to, we never had Beard Fest there. I do remember that. Yes. <laughs> now, what was the issue? It was like... Uh... It was like a complicated social and legal situation. Like a, um, like that you just didn't have the permission to do it kind of a thing? or Yes. Okay. In a way that wasn't our fault. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> We had, so we made an agreement with um, someone who was a friend of Zach's mom, mm -hmm. and he was like, oh yeah, these are my hunting grounds, like, and we have a clubhouse, and yeah, you can have your event here, don't worry, yeah. And we knew that he he actually didn't own the land. He was leasing it. Oh, um, so he gave he you like, a permission that he didn't have the right to give you. Exactly. Okay. And uh. we didn't realize he was like, everything's cool. I've had events here before. It's all good. I talked to the owner and mentioned it, whatever. But we started getting so much press. Um, not, I mean, we, what what it was, I think, is we had, uh, like, we had a, a an article in the weekend section of the Courier Post, mm -hmm. and but we were the lead story, so we were not on the cover of the newspaper, but we were on the cover of, of the, the weekend section. section. Yeah, okay. And in that interview, I was very ambitious about what we were trying to do. I presented a very grand vision. <laughs> And then the owner, like, got wind of this. Was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And then he went on our Facebook event page. And what he saw and what he fixated on was the fact that there was 20,000 people invited. And he was much older and didn't right. understand what that meant. <laughs> right. And that... 20,000 people are coming. <laughs> right. And um, there was... There was, in reality, I think we sold 550 tickets that year, mm -hmm. and maybe in total there were 750 people. Mm -hmm. So, still a substantial, yeah, number for sure. But he pulled the plug on us, like, and then he pulled the plug on us after doors were open. <laughs> oh God! So we, what happened? Um, we opened doors for early. So we had been there on the land for two weeks. Yeah. It was a lot you of came, preparation. Yeah, <laughs> you came and gave me a vocal lesson there. Yeah. We were building a stage from scratch, mm -hmm. as you remember. Yeah. We also built um, a composting toilet, two stalls oh from god. scratch. Oh my god. <laughs> decorated the whole place, and we'd never done anything like this before. Yeah. So it was like, it felt like the biggest moment of our lives. And then, 
and like people we didn't know were buying tickets. Yeah. And we had this newspaper article. That's when you know. The word was out. Yeah. And we were like, this is happening. And then it was like, this is not happening. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh my God. But so we had opened, we had opened the doors for early bird camping on Thursday. Mm -hmm. That was like an extra ticket or whatever. And maybe a hundred people had come in Mm -hmm. and then music was going to start Friday night. Got it. And it was Thursday night when the plug was getting pulled and it was kind of slowly getting pulled and we didn't have much information because we didn't even have direct contact with the owner. We just had our guy giving us really like this isn't going to happen vibes <laughs> um, and us but trying not- to gain clarity but him not wanting to answer the phone and us being like let us talk to the owner and beg and plead and him not wanting to give us the number. Um, and- so this guy just completely just... <laughs> shuts you out it was bad um he was like i'm in a meeting sorry and we're like what you're like this is a, the biggest moment of our lives and you're <laughs> what you're meeting about to ruin it could you possibly <laughs> like, be in what? right now yeah um oh my god like this is what we've been working towards maybe our whole lives so but, yeah did the show happen in yeah, another spot it so? did yeah so thursday night so we knew stuff was very in a very precarious place we called everyone we knew who we thought might have some kind of an answer for us whether it be a lawyer or someone who owned land nearby or whatever. Restaurants nearby, bars nearby. Hey, I heard you have a field nearby. Like, whatever. Yeah. We called everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we were up all night. No one slept that night. Um, and we we didn't tell the people that were camped out yet because we didn't even know what was going to happen. But Friday morning, the police showed up, 9 a.m., and they were like, hey, and we and while I was talking to them, like stalling, Sam, my keyboard player, mm-hmm. uh, he somehow found the owner's like name and, and phone number online, called him up and begged and pleaded with him. The guy is like, let me consider it. Okay. Hangs up. The police are just waiting. I'm talking to them, trying to stall. And uh, wow. As we're waiting. We still don't have a, a viable backup plan at this point. But as we're waiting for the owner to call us back, Zach's mom shows up in her car and she's like, I found the backup plan. Um, it's this place, Paradise Lakes. I talked to the owner. He'll let you have it there. You just got to pay him a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to pay him everything you would have made. And we go like, shit, that's a lot of money. But uh, if that's what it comes to, we'll do it. And then the owner called us back and he was like, no. And we were like, all right. And the police were like, you need a post on your event page, event closed. And we were like, that's so vague. People won't know what it means. They're like, I'm telling you, that's what you got to do. And so we posted event closed. Then the police were satisfied. They left. We gathered everyone up and we were like, hey, so we're moving the festival five miles down the road. If you would help us, uh, that would be great. Can you post on your social media about this? Can you take this amp in your car? Let everybody know that it's not really off. Yep. We start calling all the agents, all the artists, making social media posts, text calls. And we moved the festival over there. And we started like on time at 4 p.m. with the music. It was crazy. So you were able to move the stage? No. No? Um, Paradise Lakes had a stage. Oh. 
Okay. To this day, I have no idea what happened to that stage. <laughs> it was just abandoned there. Yep. Oh my god. What a story. And in subsequent years, did you always have it in the same spot? Or? It has been at Paradise Lakes every year since. Okay. And it, it continues to be. Nice. And Paradise Lakes is like the best spot ever. I've heard of, of other shows happening there. Do other people do stuff? Yeah. As well? Yeah, Camp Jam in the Pines oh, yeah. was there for a long time. Okay, yeah. And various other festivals and events. But mm -hmm. at the time that we went there, no one had done anything there in like 10 years. Wow. It had been like abandoned and closed to the public. The guy who owns the place now, he had just bought it when we moved Beard Fest there. So it wasn't even like fully in working condition yet. So in some ways, you guys sort of like paved the way for it to become like a destination for other shows. Yes. I mean, it had been in the past and then it wasn't and then we came back and then mm -hmm. a bunch of stuff started happening there. Yeah. So I'm curious if you're willing to uh, divulge, like, what was the band's reaction to you moving? Um, people were pretty supportive. Um, yeah? Cool. Like, Zach, who plays guitar in the band as well, he was, like, the first person who I had, like, a really deep talk with about it. Broke the I topic. Was like, <laughs> yeah, where I was just like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, should I do it? It's an option on the table, you know? Mm -hmm. And he was actually the person who kind of convinced me to do it. Yeah. Where I was, like, on the fence, and after talking to him, I was like, all right, I'm going to do it. <laughs> um, and it, it's just like, so Beard Space, it's been like, it's been our band for so long, mm -hmm. but we've had different eras of the band. And the era that we're in currently, I mean, it, it hasn't been anyone's like main thing for quite a while. Mm. Um, it was at one time everyone's main thing, um, but it's come to be, I don't know, it feels like a... It's like lifelong friendships. Yeah. We have this festival that we love to play together. We love to make music together. Mm -hmm. But like, yeah, it's not it's not like everyone's ride or die thing. I got you. And so, you know, his perspective was like, there's no, he's like, yeah, you have a lot going on here. You got friends and family here, but there's no one thing that's happening that's like, that you couldn't possibly step away from, mm. you know? So, and like, he knows that, he knows me well enough to know that like, I've always been a fairly adventurous person. I like to travel a lot. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll usually go on like a month long trip every single year. Oh, what? Um, and I'll go to some remote places. Last summer it was the Grand Canyon. Uh, oh, wow. For two weeks, like rafting, um, nice, like totally off grid. So you've you know, got and, a wandering heart. <laughs> yeah, and especially mm -hmm. when I was younger, when I was like 18, 19, 20, I was like really gung ho on the idea of getting out of the Philly area for a little while and mm -hmm. just seeing the world a little bit more and yeah. living someplace else. And I, so I kind of fancied myself an adventurous person, but it's hard once you get established in the music 
scene because it's such like an ecosystem. The musical middle class relies on multiple streams of income, mm -hmm. and multiple streams of income relies on like a thriving ecosystem. Yes, thriving, because yeah, city. So many of us are like getting some of those opportunities through people that we are networking with. So in general, it sounds like they were pretty supportive. Yeah, you know, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, because I've, I've noticed, I mean, I'm connected with most of your bandmates on social media, and I, I do see that they all kind of like do their own thing. Yeah. You know? Oh. Do you know what Sam's doing now? I do not. Oh. Um, Sam's been playing keyboards for Lauren Hill for the last year and a half. Well, bam. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. They just played Philly like two nights ago. All of you guys are like such incredible musicians. I mean, I'm sure those kinds of things are going to come up, you know, where you get those opportunities. Yeah, I mean, that's that was like a big fear for me of leaving was like maybe my big opportunity is like around the corner and, you know, and I'm going to step away from the possibility of it. Yeah, um, I can imagine that's a something that crosses your mind, but like, I don't feel like my biggest opportunities have come because I was in a conservative mode where I'm like trying to protect something, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's always when I'm open to like something completely new happening, you know? Yeah. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. I think it's awesome. Yeah. There's something very powerful about being that open yeah. and it's it's hard to be that open sometimes when you're just in the same environment with the same people doing the same things that you've been doing for a decade well it sounds to me like you are the kind of person who is willing to embrace change it kind of took a long time for me to get into the mindset where I really not only embrace it like I look for it now I don't want to be doing the same thing in the same way for years upon end. Right. So I've really gone out of my way to create situations where my life today is extremely different from what it was like a year or two ago. Yeah, I mean, you had the whole endeavor with writing the book. Yeah. So that was like a deviation. Big deviation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but still, like, but there was still continuity too. So that's that's what's really cool. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I kind of see having written the book as an opportunity to sort of present myself in a way that's like a <clears throat> more complete picture of who I am and give people like more context for my whole musical career. And it's been very nice for me to at least have the opportunity to share the broader picture of who I am, you know? I mean, that's what I think we're all after that opportunity is to just, you know, you want people to know you. Yeah, you know? for sure. Yeah, I mean, that's the same reason why I felt nervous to get up and perform. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard to say why why exactly we care so much about that, but um, I mean I think I think in general artists tend to care. Making your statement and yeah. having it resonate with people. So tell me a little bit more about how that performance felt the other day. 
It felt great. Um, I want to do it more, for mm -hmm. sure. I want to refine it and yeah. I want to become more comfortable in presenting my songs. I want to dial in the vibe of what I'm presenting. In, uh, in Beard Space, it's very like instrumental a lot of the time mm -hmm. and it's very jammy. Yeah. And because of like, I, I don't know when the last time you might have seen us play, it's probably a really long time ago. It has been a long time. Yeah. And I think uh, one way that our sound evolved since then was because we have our own festival and played at so many festivals and we got introduced to the jam band world, yeah. which is, we, we were not jam band people at all. Um, we were more like into progressive rock Broad. and stuff. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but like, we got really into the idea of getting the crowd to dance, mm -hmm. and we love that, like high energy dancing. Do you think those worlds are merging a little bit in general these days in terms of like the crossover of like the people who enjoy the, you know, like a more prog leaning kind of thing? And jam? Yeah. Definitely. I mean, jam melds together a lot of worlds. Yeah. Um, I think probably, I, I would I would think a lot of bands go through something similar to us where they're coming from a more technical place. Mm -hmm. And then they start having people in the audience coming up to them and saying, oh, hey, you sound like the Grateful Dead. And they're like, what? <laughs> like, right. That was our reaction. We're like, what? Really? Like none of literally none of us listen to the Grateful Dead ever. Right. Um, or fish. Like none of us listen to fish. Um, but people would be coming up to us and telling us that we sound like that. And then we'd play some like really weird shit and mm -hmm. people would dance. And we'd be like, Oh, I never expected someone to dance <laughs> to that. Yeah. And we're like, oh these people kinda like it when we get weird, you yeah. know? Um and then you start to notice like you know, if you're playing just more straight progressive rock vibes, you know, it's your audience is gonna be like men over the age of sixty only. <laughs> <laughs> and and if you want to connect with people that are your own age, uh, and you know, more diverse than that, mm -hmm. the jam world is a place to do it, yeah. and it's a place where you can be accepted. Right. It's a place where if you play for ten minutes and there's no singing, people dig it. Yeah. Um, and if you get weird, save your voice. Yeah. <laughs> If you make some weird chords or something, people are like, oh yeah, this is funky, I like this. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think the jam world attracts that in. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, the, the jam fans and the festival people are such an open-minded audience. Very much so. I mean, even, I mean, I don't have a ton of experience playing for those audiences, but there were times, like, back in the day when, like, my band, like, say, in college would just you know just by nature of like the music scene where we were you know we would play shows with reggae bands with jam bands and it, it was all like cool yeah. to everybody and I was like it was very eye-opening for me if you never experienced that you kind of have like a little preconceived notion about what it's gonna be like you know and I was like these people really love music yeah and that's my people <laughs> you know what I mean yes jam band crowds they love 
They love music, they love community, they love mm -hmm. festivals. Yeah. Um, they love live music especially. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, they'll accept a wide range of genres. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's true of like other audiences as much. Like, It's not. Yeah. That's my whole point. <laughs> yeah. I think it's that's why it's so cool. You know? Yeah. Like if you go to like a jazz club mm -hmm. and try to play uh, power pop, right? It's not going to go work. so well. And, no, it's um, not going to work. And similarly, like yeah, if you go to like a I don't know indie rock mm -hmm. audience, I don't know if you were if Beard Space was trying to open for like Sufjan Stevens or something. Right. I think it, we would get booed off the stage. I don't know that you would get booed <laughs> off the stage, but like uh, you know, I think that. In my, just my experience, in in that world, in the jam band world, those audiences seem so much more broadly minded to me. Yeah, which is awesome. Yeah, you know? for me, like besides music, I am really big on community. Yeah. Um, I think that, I don't know, it, 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 community community is really important, just like as a human. It's really lost on a lot of people in uh, today's day and age, mm -hmm. and in, in the area that we're from. Um, I think you and I, and I think musicians in general, tend to have it. They tend yeah. to have community much more so than certain other professions, because music okay. just is a hyper-social activity. Yeah. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's kind of our job to bring people together. Yes. You know, so you have to appreciate community if you're going to, like, do it well. Yes. You know, it goes so much further than just, like, I'm just, like, a musician and I'm just playing my stuff. Like, it's, like you can't exist in a vacuum. You know? I mean, yeah. I think that's very cool that you're... That's where you're at with that. That's awesome. Yeah. I think the festival organizing thing is like a natural extension of the musician thing for certain of us. Like, for for, for those of us who are so inclined uh, yeah. to, to organize people and, mm -hmm. you know, and to deal with some of those headaches. Um, yeah. <laughs> as musical middle-class people, it can be hard to put bread on the table. Yeah, it's harder now than ever for musicians to do it. So, mm -hmm. with that in mind, I think it's easy for us to spend a lot of time thinking about how am I going to make money, like, and so, and then it can become self-centered. Yeah, um, which is unfortunate because really, ultimately, it's supposed to be about building community. Yeah. Man. All I can say is right on. This guy, man, he gets it. And he is walking the walk of a true artist. I want to say a big thank you to Jeremy Savo for this awesome hang. He's living his best life, and that's pretty inspiring. And I want to say an even bigger thanks to you for listening to this podcast. If you don't know, the show is funded through my Patreon community, and if you'd like to support this endeavor, as well as all of my creative pursuits, including my brand new upcoming album, I would so appreciate it if you'd become a subscriber. Visit patreon.com slash John Kim Fay and get a free seven-day trial 
just for checking it out. Visit patreon.com slash John Kim Fay and you can get a free seven-day trial. I have a lot of cool stuff happening, so please stay close and I'll catch you next time right here on Talking at the Diner. Talking at the Diner